The best friends presidents can have are other presidents. Coming into to the role was clear goals with timelines and regular reviews. They're going to understand the budget. They're going to understand accreditation. But they're not going to understand the culture. This is In the Know with ACCT, the voice of community college leaders. I'm Jacob Bray. This episode about how boards nurture and support leadership was recorded at our annual Congress in October. The panel features ACCT Vice President of Searches Julie Golder, President of Eastern Gateway Community College Jimmy Bruce, Trustee and President of the Executive Committee from Hagerstown Community College John Williamson, and former ACCT Board Chair Emily Yim, moderated by ACCT President and CEO Noah Brown. This episode is sponsored by the Ascendium Education Philanthropy. Um, As many of you have probably heard, there's been a lot of research and reports as of late, things in the media, about presidential uh, transition, uh, not only in higher education, but particularly community colleges. And it's anticipated that 50% of the current community uh, college presidents uh, intend to step away within the next five years, and this has been an acceleration of trends. Uh, It has to do primarily with the aging of presidents and pipeline issues, but that's a huge finding. And this comes from the American Council on Education, which does a uh, report every few years on the state of the presidency. They also indicate that only 21% of community colleges actually have any kind of succession plan in place Uh, when those transitions occur. So I wanted to start off uh, asking my colleagues, uh, based on their experience uh, and having been through these, um, what steps uh, have you taken to assist your CEO or your assist in a CEO transition? So any of you feel free to jump in. I'll start. Uh, Any any, uh, transition you have in, in any organization, it's a matter of communication. In other words, the the board has its uh, set of goals that we would like the new leader to to pursue. And at the same time, we have to be smart enough to listen because with a new leader, we have a new set of eyes who can look at our college and then tell us based upon his, in our case it's his, or his or her experience, uh, what are things that we need to do better or where does he think we need to go in the future. I just would like to get a sense for the audience in the room. How many of you are in the middle of a transition or are going to be getting a new president in the next few years? Okay. I know there's always a lot of folks in the room whenever that question is asked. Um, the role that we played, and I think that trustees that we need to play, is that even if um, you still have about a year or two and you know that your president may be considering moving on in the next year or two, it's so intentional, it's so important for you to be intentional to keep that on the docket without worrying about, is that going to offend my president if we're already having this conversation? But a president will know, and if they love, which I know love the community and the campus, they will want to let you know, and they will be supportive about that process because you need time to really, as a board, think about that process, how you want to walk through it, are we all on the same page in terms of the goals, the characteristics, because ultimately it is our responsibility. So when um, when our president told us that she was going to be retiring in about a year, we were like, okay, great, thanks for letting us know. And in our head, I think we thought, oh, that's a good chunk of time. We have a whole year. But by the time, but 
you know, a meeting goes right after another and then you're, you know, like have eight months left and you have six months left and you realize, oh my gosh, we need to get cracking on this. And so what I would suggest is to really keep that on the agenda the moment you understand that there's going to be transition or even continue to think about that even without that notification because um, as boards you think that you have time but really, when it comes down to it, oftentimes you have a pressure to get through it and get it can be rushed. And so I would just make sure that um, you carve out the time to do that. And so I played a role as a co-chair of the search committee, but the role that the board of trustees had on that search committee was not a voting board member because we didn't want to really influence the search committee, because ultimately we're going to be able to vote and figure out who we want to and have that final say. And so we really wanted to hear from the members of the committee, especially from our community and faculty. And so um, we co-chaired the committee, but we played more of a facilitative role so that we can report back to our colleagues on the board of how it's going and the process. But we know that as trustees, we have huge influence in what we say, who we say, but we didn't want that, not in the beginning search process when we're going through the huge candidates coming through. So. First of all, I have two trustees here, and I was happy to see neither raise their hand, uh, saying they were going to be looking for a new CEO soon. So. I, I think uh, I agree. I think a, a succession plan is essential. Uh, our board uh, had the foresight to uh, do a succession plan with ACCT uh, prior to uh, the president uh, transition. And then the board took that a step further and they, they took that transition plan and we had a retreat two weeks after I was on the job and we took that succession plan and built it into uh, 11 three-year goals. And I think that that was essential, and it, but it can't be a one-time conversation. I think we have to we reviewed those goals then uh, on a regular basis and annually uh, did a full update on where we were. So I think the the actual plan and embedding that plan into goals for the CEO is critical. And I'd like to add a, a comment, and I, I certainly agree with my colleagues at the the table. Once you receive that notification that you're going to have to be conducting a search process, the focus becomes on the search. And embedding a component that really involves the transition and the onboarding early on is going to create the best possible transition and start setting the stage for success even before the appointment is made. Okay, great. Well, let, let's drill down a little farther because I've got the, uh, the tremendous resource of some individuals who have been through this, some quite recently, uh, plus Julie Golder, who actually does this for a living, uh, working with boards on this. Um, you've mentioned a couple of things uh, to assist in transition and onboarding, but do you have other more specific uh, suggestions or strategies in your experience that you think ma made the uh, transition successful and maybe avoided some of the pitfalls of presidential transition? From my perspective, uh, early uh, introduction to trustees uh, during the search process, uh, but immediately following the process and, and encouraging individual dialogue uh, with those trustees 
And then I thought the retreat was the most helpful thing for me as a new president. Uh, that retreat was planned two weeks, uh, as I mentioned, uh, into um, my, my taking the position. And for me, having that early dialogue and hearing firsthand what some of the challenges were uh, and some of the opportunities uh, that we were looking at was, was important. And it helped me uh, as a new president feel, uh, feel more um, and knowledgeable uh, about some of the uh, some of the issues that the board uh, had been dealing with. I know in our case, um, our new president asked us to put a list together of 50 people in the community, influential and affluential people, and I thought that was a great idea. At first, I thought, well, maybe we need to sit down with him and explain to him who these people are that he's going to be meeting with. And then I got to thinking and said, no, he's, you know, anybody's going to be flattered to know that uh, the new president's coming to talk to that individual. But I thought that was a great way for him to get out in the community and hear what people say about the college. And I'm sure he heard, heard good, and I'm sure he uh, heard um, the opportunities that we have to, uh, to get better. But I thought that was a tremendous idea. Um, so we just hired a new president, which I'm really, really pleased he came on board in July. Um, what I found really interesting that I would share with my colleagues in the audience is that um, Julie makes a very good comment. The search isn't just a search. I mean, there, it's so much more deeper, and this is the whole onboarding transitioning process. I think it depends because this is my second presidential search. I think as trustees, you can sometimes feel like, okay, well, once we get a top-notch consulting firm, they'll take care of it. They'll do the legwork. They'll figure all this out. They're just going to report back to us, kind of how we generally have some of our board meetings where we do the yes and no and, and some engagement. Um, but really what I learned is that you have to be really involved and engaged because that search is your search. The consultants work for you, so you tell them what you're looking for. Our initial search committee um, consultant that we hired um, wanted just, I think, six people on the committee, on the community college search committee. And I said, that is not going to happen. We need some key stakeholders from the school district, workforce development, faculty, staff, student, as well as the co-chair. So we had to push back and forth. We ended up letting that first person go because we needed to make sure that our community was represented and that they had buy-off in the process. And that necessarily isn't the fun and easy thing, but we are still running this process because that is our sole responsibility. And so I just don't want folks to um, think that that will happen because if it doesn't sit well with you and you know your community better than anyone else, you have to make sure that the consultant that you hire works really closely with you to really understand what you want to get accomplished. A couple of other things I think was important is during the search process, we had um, the candidates come and ask us, and regardless of whether they're new or existing presidents, we had um, candidates come and ask the board, what are your top three goals that you want to see happen um, on the first year of the job? And it was interesting because we all think as trustees, hey, we're all on the same page, pathway, student success completion. But when each one of us provided a comment, it was all different. And, it, and, and so it, and then I thought, and we thought, whoa, we need to make sure that our messaging is consistent 
that although there's some overlap, that we have clarification on that. So we did end up hiring a consultant who helped the board walk through getting on the same page as part of the transition on onboarding process of making sure that we were crisp and clear on what our set of goals were going to be for that new president. And then when that new president came, we did a second version of that retreat. And it wasn't a full day thing. It was like two hours, three hour chunks. Um, and then we had an opportunity for the president to provide feedback on the goals. And he shared that we don't, I don't want to start a strategic planning process my first year, which was on our list. So we did some of that negotiation. And now we're at a good place where both the president and the board is clear on what we're going to be evaluating him and what our expectations are that first year. So just making sure that we are crisp and all on the same page because we don't want to, we didn't want to have trustees that had something else in mind that didn't get accomplished. I want to take a quick break to remind you all that the 50th annual ACCT Leadership Congress is coming up and we're looking for innovative presentations from ACCT member colleges and affiliates. Check out congress.acct.org for our call for presentations, to register, to find out about sponsorship opportunities and more. And now, back to the show. Uh, in our case, we were hiring our fourth president in 70 years. So we certainly did not have a whole lot of experience in that, and that's probably a good thing. Um, but I think the, the th you're, obviously your board has to be heavily engaged in the search. But when you hire a search consultant, you have to be smart enough to listen to them. They have a process, and they have a good process, even though you might at some point say to yourself, I'm not sure I would necessarily do it that way. I would urge people, do it that way. They know what they're doing, and if you follow the process, uh, you, your likelihood of having a positive result go way up. I can, I can, I know that. I was very appreciative of the fact that I have uh, two campuses, and they're 65 miles apart, very different communities. One campus is rural, one campus is urban. And the chair of our board at, at the time of my hiring was in what was in uh, one camp at one campus and very involved in the community there. So I had a trustee uh, act as a champion in the other county where the other campus was, and she uh, she was always uh, calling me, uh, sending me emails, encouraging me uh, to meet critical people in that community as well. And uh, she she would always say, "I don't want. To, I'm not trying to tell you what to do." Uh, and I, I said, don't worry about that. I said, I, really, I, I appreciate the fact that you have the knowledge and the insight uh, to make sure that I'm meeting uh, the key uh, community leaders, other educational leaders, uh, people that I might, might not have gotten to meet for you know, several months. Uh, she accelerated that process. So the, I think a trustee being assertive uh, is very important uh, because they know the communities uh, which they represent more than uh, the new person coming in does. Hi, I'm Dan Altmaier, Highline College. Uh, we just ended up going through a presidential search uh, at the exact same time Emily's college was. Um, unfortunately, you always don't get notice from your college president. In our case, our college president went in for heart surgery and he never came back to the college. Um, and so it creates a different dynamic. The one thing that I will absolutely say, and, and I think that's the case. I mean, there's various reasons that, that presidents leave, but when it's something that tragic, it's 
one of the things that can absolutely energize the board and it's transformational for the board. I think, Emily, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, it's very helpful to have consultants, but their job is to consult. It's to guide. It's to provide a framework. But this is your process. Uh, sorry to any college presidents here in the room, but it's the second most important thing we do as trustees. Of course, the first most important is grant tenure because that's a lifetime commitment. So when you find that college president, uh, you want to then follow up and give them everything they need for that success. And we actually wrote it into our consultant contract that we wanted follow-up services as far as integration and onboarding of our president, too. And so you have choice in how you structure those contracts for consultants. But the reason I say it's transformational transformational and energizing for the board is there is so much that you have to do. And like you said, Emily, you have co-chairs who lead the search committees. But, you know, for us, it was everything from having a subcommittee to choose the consultant. What were the factors we were going to use? What were the costs we were willing to spend? What was important to us out there? And so I would just say that this is absolutely one of those very important things that we do. I, Trust your consultant, but remember, it's your process. You own it. Your fingerprints have to be all over that as a trustee. Great. Thank you, Dan. Let's keep going here. So you've been successful in the search, and you've hired a brand-new president. What, from your perspective, do you believe uh, the board's responsibilities are in helping that new president sort of scale his or her expectations? I bring this up because I can recall uh, not so long ago speaking uh, to a vice president for institutional research who had just been hired as a brand new first time president in another state of a campus. And I just happened to be at uh, his prior college at that time and he asked to meet with me and we sat and we chatted and he was very eager and excited, wanted to pick my brain about how to be successful. And he launched into like a several minute description of all the things he was going to change when he got to that college. And all he'd done an analysis of the college of the data and we had to improve this and we had to improve that. And I finally said, I don't mean to interrupt you, I said, but you should be very cautious about scaling what you think you'll be able to achieve at least in the first six months and a year. And you also need to understand how a board might receive that information uh, uh, in terms of how they're feeling about the institution. Can you uh, share with us maybe some advice about how you help your new president sort of scale, set expectations that are realistic? I mean, you can't change everything all at once, and you also have to understand the culture of the institution that you're joining. I just want to um, note that uh once we are done with the presidential search, which is a heavy lift, right? A ton more meetings than before, especially if you're going to be co-chairing that. <clears throat> Once they get hired, there's an announcement, everyone's ecstatic, and you just go, whew, don't have to worry about that. Now, I, you know, now I'm going to get you know, back to my normal meetings, but it doesn't end there. I mean, the, the onboarding of a president, anywhere from 12 months to 24 months. I mean, it really obviously varies with the institution, but I think as board members, we have to keep in mind that that onboarding process is much longer than 
from that moment that president, you know, begins or signs the contract. And so <clears throat> I think having that mindset and being aware that you will need to make sure that you provide the support throughout the entire year or maybe 16 months is going to be critical. Um, even if they may have been sitting presidents somewhere else, I do think that so that you are both on the same page in terms of movement, changes, et cetera, that you keep that time frame much broader than when it um, completes or a few months into it. Um, and so that was one point that I also wanted to make. The other thing is we hired a president, and this is his first presidency. And even if it's not your first presidency, we would have probably done the same thing. But we offered that there is budget set aside for a coach, a mentor. Because we know that <clears throat> when you're a brand-new president to any institution, there's going to be things and challenges that you run into that you may not necessarily want to go to your board chair for every little thing, particularly if it's very technical. And in any industry, when you have execs, there are coaches that you can tap into, and we wanted to provide that same opportunity for our president without any kind of stigma associated with the fact that maybe they need extra help, but because we know that it's an incredible investment in our CEO, and we want to make sure that he has all the tools, including coaches and mentors, that he can tap into to make sure that he's successful. And no, I wanted to piggyback on, on the comment that you made about that <laughs> very ambitious list of, of tasks and accomplishments, but to really take the time as a new president to, to understand the culture and learn the lay of the land. And it takes time to read the tea leaves within any community or culture organization and, and having the, the appropriate time to, to be thoughtful and strategic. Yeah. One of the things that we thought was important, uh, our president started on, on June 1st, and we didn't think he needed to have us as trustees sitting down and going over exactly what all his goals were. And we thought it was more important that he spend the summer getting to know the college, getting to know his staff, getting to know the, know the community. And so we said, we'll talk about goals in September. That doesn't mean we didn't have informal conversations with him, but we thought it was important to give him the opportunity to, he's the CEO and, uh, to learn the organization, learn the school, the community, et cetera. Great. Um, let's build on that a little bit as well. So my, my hope is that those of you that have recently gone through this transition and hired new presidents, it was smooth sailing, right? The faculty were accepting of this. Uh, they liked the person that you selected, but it's not always the case, right? Sometimes there are issues out there in the campus that may ultimately create friction and tension and essentially a climate of incivility that you know can affect how well the person is succeeding. What are things boards can do to help introduce the brand new president into the college, maybe create opportunities for that individual to really do a deeper dive, get to know the various constituencies on the campus um, because it's about trust, right? So you want to trust your president, but then you want your faculty, administration, everyone to trust your new leader as well. I think that starts with your search process and who you have on your selection committee. And having faculty representation on the selection committee 
was very important. And I was truly amazed by the faculty on our committee in that they had the, virtually the same criteria that most of the other people, whether you were a trustee, a community leader, we had our school superintendent, uh, but the faculty ended up being very valuable. When we had uh, on-campus interviews, when we had our, our finalists and allowing the community and the faculty and staff uh, be involved, they feel like they are part of the process. And then that makes the onboarding process smoother because it becomes, it's ultimately the Board of Trustees' decision to make the hire, but you get a lot of broad community input and that makes, will make the succession and the success of the new leader, uh, your odds will be much, much higher. And John, you, you captured really what I was gonna share is that creating a positive, collaborative, open, process from the beginning where people feel valued. There's an opportunity for everyone to share their thoughts, sets the stage for, for a positive transition. So, so starting early and being very deliberate. Exactly what they um, said. I mean, you have to think about how did you do your process. I think that uh, there could be more tension or some of that friction built if folks in our community, internal, external to the campus, don't feel like they had a voice in that process. So if they don't feel like they had a voice, then you run into some of these issues. Again, regardless, sometimes even with all the, as inclusive as you can be. So for us, we had um, a search committee from faculty. We had faculty represent who they wanted to be on the search committee. We had members in our community. We had student trustees. We also had community forums. We received over 300 different feedback about the president throughout the whole process. So we were very, very inclusive. Um, <clears throat> and then as we're doing that, and including on the search, we wanted to make sure that we embed the values of our college. So what we stand for and making sure that it is always student-focused and so when we continue to integrate our values, our mission, the work around our equity and inclusion, all of that was embedded throughout the process so that the values continue to be reinforced throughout the entire process. And even, you know, when you run into those situations, as I've heard, um, with very, as exclusive as you can, you still will have some friction in some colleges where you have the president. But I think as trustees... The, the best thing that we can do once we hire that president and the vote is done and the gavel is set to the side is that we have to support the president as much as we can. So when they, when faculty or whoever out in our community sees a friction, even among the board about the, um, the complete support of the new president, then that in and of itself is going to be a deficit for whoever the new president is. I have heard of campuses where the vote was split publicly on who the president is going to be. That sets another message and tone out into the community as well. So as trustees, we need to be on the same page in terms of supporting that president once we come to a consensus. You may have had a different candidate in mind, and there are folks on our um, board who had different candidates in mind. But once we concluded this is who we're going to go with, we had to be on the same page because it wasn't no longer about who I liked and who I think is going to be better. It was about what was best 
for the campus and how we were going to be unified in our communication and total support for the new president if they were going to be successful. Well, hopefully this wasn't an issue on any of your campuses, but occasionally the handoff between the outgoing president and the incoming president can sometimes pose some difficult or uncomfortable situations uh, for both uh, the uh, outgoing and incoming president. Do you have some suggestions or recommendations um, to reduce any potential tensions between the outgoing and incoming president um, and these two leaders? I'll share uh, one specific thought, and that is you can only have one president at any given time. And we, we sometimes hear from boards that want to have a very long transition period. In other words, a long overlap between the outgoing president and the incoming president. Having two presidents for, for months at a time um, is often not healthy for the institution. More, more like uh, two weeks is, is typical. Well, how about in addition to that, are there suggestions or ideas for how the incoming president can productively solicit counsel from the outgoing president as really just to learn better the culture, maybe the history, some of the things that have occurred as they come into new leadership? As a new president coming in, I, I thought our board uh, did a, a masterful job of um, communicating with the former president and uh, making sure that when I came to town, she was available. And we, uh, they actually set up meetings uh, for me to meet with her where she would come into the campus. We would have formal meetings. Uh, and I thought that that worked well. I had access to the former president, was able to uh, talk with her candidly about some of uh, the challenges, uh, some of the opportunities, uh, what some of the things she was able to accomplish and were, were some of the things that, that she felt like were going to be um, troublesome for me. Uh, but we were never on campus at, at, at the same time. It was clearly she had retired at this date, uh, and I was coming in as the president on this date. Uh, but they did coordinate it to make sure that I had time with her, and I, I thought that worked well. So my name is Meg O'Hare and I'm from uh, the Community College of Baltimore County as a trustee. And I, we are not looking for a president currently and God help us when we are because we have the most phenomenal president. But you know, realistically someday we are not going to have that person. And the question that I have is I hear a lot about the community, et cetera. How do you incorporate the political input because those are our funding people? And we certainly don't get enough money, but we certainly want to keep getting money. That's a great question. And while they're not giving you the money they should be giving you, they clearly have influence and opinions on how you should do things. Yeah, and I, part of that is just in general maintaining good relationships with your, with your uh, political leaders, whether uh, at the county level where we get some of our funding and also at the, the state funding and also include them in the uh, process. We, we did not have any political leaders, nor do I think you should, on a search committee, but we had representatives, we had our county uh, executive uh, in, in, involved with that. Um, but I think it, if you as a board are maintaining good relationships with your politicians, 
they will largely uh, get behind who you select. They'll give you input. So it depends on the college. Um, for us, we have a very, very close relationship with the city. So we wanted to make sure that we reserved a seat from the city to be on the search committee. So we did integrate them into the process. So when we looked at who are we going to have as the search committee, because that profile of folks is so critical because they are going to be the gate openers or the gatekeepers to who your top three candidates or who your final candidates are and who are the key folks in the community that need to be at the table. So we did have um, uh, a representative from the city and also we also had representative from our foundation because we know the foundation is deeply involved in the success of our college and contribute a lot of funds into um, our students and our programming. So we also had represent. Uh, representatives from the foundation um, in the process. And so, again, I think um, we also, uh, you know, we talked about the community, but we hosted different forums and provided and invited key stakeholders in the community to come and ask questions to the candidates when they were on campus. So as many opportunities as we can hear from them and help them feel engaged and, and, and include them in the process, I think, will be really important. Okay, well, uh, yes, sir. Dave Harvey from uh, Danville Area Community College, Danville, Illinois. So the definition of onboarding in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, which is a noun, the act or process of orient, orientating, orienting and training a new employee. So we have the leader of our college, hopefully they're trained at what they need to be doing as a CEO. And I'm just curious. I get the orientation part. You folks are doing a good thing of that. Does the training, because I'd never really heard onboarding, and we just had a presidential search two years ago, used ACCT, and I never remember that word being used. So it must be a new hot word. So I'd like your explanation of what onboarding is. Well, in terms of training, the, the president's going to come in with a set of competencies and, and hard skills. They're going to understand the budget. They're going to understand accreditation. But they're not going to understand the culture and the dynamics and the history. So a lot of this is focused on components that anyone who isn't part of the college or the community simply won't know. I would argue that educating may be a better word than training. I also think it's it's important to understand that a CEO is going to come in with, with a, a certain uh, perspective uh, depending on his or her role at the college. I, I came in as I was a chief academic officer for nine years, and I – I didn't feel like I needed uh, as much um, insight on the academic side, but on the you know the business and the legislative side, I felt I needed more guidance. Uh, I needed more um, uh, communication. I needed more introductions to be made, et cetera. So uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of the word onboarding or uh, over another word or, or not, but I do think there is some educating. Uh, that has to take place uh, to help bring the CEO up to speed on all aspects of the college because most, a lot of CEOs, certainly in my case, came up through a particular 
uh, uh, side of the college. Mine happened to be the academic side, um, but may not be as familiar with uh, with some of the other pieces. And I just I just want to reemphasize something Emily said about the value of boards supporting an executive coach for a new leader. Okay, so you've gone through this whole process. You've interviewed a bunch of folks. You've picked the best and the brightest, right? But never assume, boards, that that leader knows everything, right? None of us know everything. And new presidents don't try to convince the board that you're the font of all knowledge either. Because sooner or later, they'll discover that you aren't, and then it's going to get messy. So it's a two-way street, um, and that's very important. I think, I think whether you like the term onboarding or not, I think the concept here is we are observing, uh, as we see more and more transitions, that there is plenty of room to sort of up our game in terms of how we orient and educate and really create a open environment for success for presidents. I think that's what we're talking about. Uh, I've had the privilege the last few years of meeting uh, with uh, groups of first-time brand-new presidents. They're all very eager. They're all very excited. Um, they also mask their insecurities and anxieties. Um, but when you ask these folks, what did you wish you knew before you became a new-time president, this is what you often hear. They wish they knew more about budget and finance. And I don't mean reading a balance sheet. I mean, how do you deal with budget and finance as kind of a strategic mechanism for moving resources, for helping the board understand where to make new investments or maybe scale back investments that are not yielding results. They don't know generally about advocacy, how to work with elected officials, they may or may not understand that magic uh, phenomenon that once you become a president, people treat you differently uh, within the college and certainly externally, but regardless, you can't even go to the local Walmart and be who you were. You're the president of the institution. People are watching, they're paying attention, uh, things of that nature. They don't know how to do fundraising. Oftentimes, presidents come in and boards say, you know, one of our objectives, we want to up our game on fundraising. And most of them don't get an orientation. So let's think about uh, those of you, new president, you just hired a president. Um, do you feel that there's that kind of open and honest dialogue through the process so that you can identify areas where you can assist a president in his or her education or help them I mean, you mentioned executive coaching. But I think it's important that there be transparency, everybody understand what the leader's strengths are and maybe their areas for development. Um, never hide those things, and boards should never assume they, they're expert in, in all matters. I think as um, trustees to our president, we just need to acknowledge that that fact and that dynamic exists and that creating that culture where we can say, we would really love you to continue. I mean, if we have a deficit, is this an area that you may need to go on to any additional resources that you may need to tap into? Because we may not be the keepers of all the training opportunities for college presidents, right? But to make sure that your college president knows that we support him or her 
in their ability to access the training and resources and reinforcing that we are a learning institution. And so they also need to model that, um, I think, is really important. Um, Noah, you asked a question about um, how to reduce the tension. I mean, luckily for us, we had a very smooth transition. The, the previous president was well-loved. The college was excited. But I have heard from other trustees where the transition wasn't so great. And, you know, I would make sure, as I have echoed to presidents when we have had these um, conversations, that even if you're a new president, um, that how important it was, regardless of how the previous president may have not done the greatest job or have created some headaches for you, to not talk bad about your predecessor. Because the board has so much stuff to do, and we're really focused on getting the work done. And so focus on the work of how you want to get that fixed and addressed, but limit, or if not, don't even... I, you know, for me, I don't like really hearing a lot of, oh, well, this person did this. It's just not, for me, relevant. And so if you, the, one of the feedbacks that I have provided to presidents is don't spend the energy talking bad about the predecessor. And I would say the same thing for our trustees. Don't spend the energy talking bad about the, pre, um, the previous president. And if there are any things that you can actually honor about the work that they've done during that time, great, honor them. But we set the tone for the campus, so when we go in the negative, that will reverberate throughout our campus and our community as well. So we need to make sure that the radar is on our students. No, to, to comment on your uh, talking about if you needed someone with fundraising, that should be part of your search process. And then when you hire someone, you know their background, you put them through a pretty rigorous interviewing process, and you know their strengths and weaknesses, and then if there's something that you feel like you need to accomplish, even if they've been on board three or four years, that's where you may need to bring in some other expert to assist. As, as a new president coming in, I would, I would agree. Uh, I think the communication on the front end is uh, critical. And oftentimes in a search, the board and the search team and the, the firm assisting the board are all trying to, to sell the college uh, to the potential president. I think there comes a time when, when they have to also be honest with the current president and say, these are all the good things, but here are some real challenges. Uh, here's so, here are some things that you need to know stepping into that role. Uh, you mentioned budget and being educated on budget. I think budgets are make or break institutions, and knowing everything coming in is, is critical. So I would encourage trustees to make sure that you act as leaders uh, during the process to make sure that not just the uh, opportunities that exist, but also be very honest about the challenges. I also want to say that my board uh, was very supportive. Um, I think we had candid conversations about where my strengths were and where, where some of my areas uh, where I needed to learn some things. Uh, the most important thing my board did for me and continues to do is to allow me to hire the right people and to make moves uh, within the organization to get the right people in the right spot. Uh, that, and to me, as a, as a CEO, that's what's critical, uh, that I have somebody that is an expert in finance and, and in business and in accounting. Uh, those are skills that, that aren't my specialty, and, but I have someone that's right there uh, next door to me uh, every day, day in and day out, and I can tell you that's, that, that has made the world of difference for me. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of In the Know with ACCT. There is a bonus section for this episode that contains the question and answer component of the panel that we're going to release on Thursday of this week. So check it out on Thursday. And additionally, we're also going to be releasing a primer for the National Legislative Summit on the on this coming Thursday as well. And the following Thursday, the first section is going to be uh, how to about how to prepare for the National Legislative Summit. And the second section, which will be the following week, uh, will go over the legislative priorities. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.